Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go back and pick up a passage that we missed. Uh, Chapter 2, verses 11 through uh, 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. That's significant right there. In place of the two. So making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God and in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Father, we thank you for uh, the good things you did at Men's Retreat. God, it was just a joy to me to see uh, uh, 40 guys um, fellowshipping, uh, talking about spiritual things, uh, talking about how to to love their wives and love their kids and and be a good witness at their work. Uh, God, that's exciting. That's a precious gift, God, and I I thank you for it. I thank you for um, the leadership uh, of this church who who invests in, in men. Uh, that's a good thing, God. Thank you. Please please make it increase. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight, uh, that you would, you would show us and teach us about the church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I wasn't kidding. This is a complicated passage, wasn't it? How many of you, when I read through that, you're like, huh? Okay. Uh, it, it is. It's, it's complex. It's difficult. Part of it is that we don't get the whole Jew and Gentile thing, okay? Uh, so, so let me just talk about that for a second. And I'm not, I'm not going to take, uh, take for granted that you know what a Gentile is, okay? I almost did that, but I'm in my office. I said, you know, Jason, I'm not going to do that. So, so let, let me back you way up. What is a Jew and what is a Gentile? Well, a Jew is a descendant of Abraham, okay? God's chosen people. So God, God appears to Abraham. God says, it's Abraham, you know, I got you in my sights. I'm going to bless you. I'm, I'm going I'm to make a mighty nation of you. Your descendants are going to be as many as the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky. And I'm going to make a covenant with you and with, with your descendants after you. Abraham doesn't have any kids at this time. But God miraculously, at the age of 100, gives uh, Sarah, his wife, a child at 90. I think she was 90 or so. And, and so he has a son, Isaac. Okay? So the, 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 the promise, the covenant shift to Isaac. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. We know Esau is the older, but Jacob inherits the, the covenant and the promises. And so it shifts to Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? There's a famine in the land. They have to go to Egypt because their brother Joseph is there. He saves them. 400 years later, God delivers them out of Egypt to the promised land. On the way, they stop at Mount Sinai and they receive the law. Remember that? The law, the Ten Commandments. Moses writes the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are called the law. 
And in the law, God is very specific about making Israel a separate people. Okay? You have God's moral law, but you also have what we would call the ceremonial law. Okay? That's things like if you were a Jew in the Old Testament, you didn't eat pork. Okay? You didn't, you didn't eat pig. You, you ate certain things that everybody else, or you didn't eat certain things that everybody else ate. You dressed different. You lived different. Culturally, you were different. You didn't have idols. You had one God. You had the law of God. You, you, you were different even physically. At that day and time, uh, uh, most, all the Gentile nations were uncircumcised, but God said, my people, every male among my people are going to be circumcised. So even physically, the Jews were different than everybody else around them, okay? So that goes all the way through the Old Testament, all the way up into Jesus' time and into the New Testament. And what you have by this time is you have the Jews, and I just described to you who they are, okay? They're, they're the nation of Israel, okay? The descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And you, ha- you have them, and then you have everybody else who's a Gentile, okay? Now, here's the thing you understand. These are the most radically different groups on the planet, you know? You think of yourself maybe as a, a southerner and a midwesterner and you think man i'm really different than a, a, an easterner or a west coast person or i'm really different than a chinese person or a muslim but you know what i i would argue that that there are there has never been any two different groups of people than jews and gentiles okay simply because there, there was so much that divided them so much that separated them so much that that intentionally god had said you're not going to be like any other people okay so that's the picture that we get when the new testament Testament comes on the scene. So you got two radically different groups of people, uh, different in religion, race, nationality, culture, law, language, everything is very different. And so that creates a lot of hostility between the two. Okay. In fact, a Jew was not even to enter a Gentile's house. Uh, Jews, many Jews, and this is not biblical, this is just kind of what happened throughout the, the, the years, but many Jews would wake up every day and pray, God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, how, that's how radically hostile these two groups were to each other. Okay, enter the cross. Enter Jesus Christ. You know what happens, don't you? Throughout the New Testament, all of a sudden, I mean, just boom. I mean, Pentecost, it happens. All of a sudden, you have this church that is born and goes out from, 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 from the cross all over the world. And the church is made up, all of a sudden, of Jews and Gentiles. And all of a sudden, there's one people. And all of a sudden, you got Peter eating in a Gentile church in Antioch, you know. His buddies come from Jerusalem. They all pass out of the door, you know. And, and he's, there's, this big, there's this big conflict in Galatians that we write. You know why? Because it was a huge deal that all of a sudden, it's not Jew and Gentile. All of a sudden, they're like one. And they're worshiping together. And they're serving together. And they're giving together. And they're ministering to one another. And they're in each other's houses. And they're building Christ-centered relationships. And so Paul is explaining to us in this passage, how does that happen? And basically, it happens, first of all, through the cross. Look at verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, in Jesus Christ's body, his, his crucifixion, the dividing wall of hostility. Do you see that? The walls come down between people. The, the barriers come down. The hostility comes down. How? Through the, through, the, through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay? So now, when God moves in a Gentile's heart, how, how, how does he get close to God? How does he come to God? 
He comes by, by putting his faith in Jesus Christ on the cross. He comes by saying, Jesus, I'm going to turn away from my sin. I'm going to put my faith in Christ. I'm going to yield myself to you. I believe that you're the Messiah. I believe that you're the King. And my life is yours. Man, he's saved. He's filled with the Spirit of God. How about a Jew? How does a Jew come to Jesus? He doesn't come by, by saying, well, I'm a Jew. And my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
See, all that stuff is really small stuff when you, when you begin to think about what we have common in the cross. All of a sudden, now we have, we have a common father. Look in verse 18. For through him, we have both access and one spirit to the father. Now we're coming to the same father through the same spirit. We have the same family values, the same mission, the same source of strength, the same life journey, the same battles. And here's the cool thing. We need each other. You know why? Because we have access to, to one father through one spirit. Okay, now what does that mean? That means that the Holy Spirit's in you and the Holy Spirit's in me. And what does the Bible tell us very clearly? That God moves through other believers. You cut yourself off from the church. You cut yourself off from the voice of God, from the work of God. That's why we need each other so badly. That's why we got we to gotta work hard to drive each other together, okay? Verse 19 says we're fellow citizens. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens. We, we have this connection because we're part of the same kingdom. You know, people in Woodward naturally have a connection, right? Because we're part of the same town, right? So we naturally have things in common. We, 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 we try the new Chinese restaurant, you know, and everybody talks about it, you know, and we, we shop at the same store and, and we, we, uh, same things happen, you know, because we're part of the same place, okay? Well, we're fellow citizens now of the same kingdom. So it doesn't matter where you're from or what nationality you're from or, or you're Chinese or Japanese or whatever. We, we, we share this common future, okay? So, so let me make a quick application. I was talking with someone the other day and they were talking about how hard it is to be the church. And they were a little discouraged just about, man, it's, it's tough, you know, because they kind of they expected, they're kind of a new believer and they kind of expected, I'm going to walk into this place and man, it's just all going to go just smooth. And I, and I said, well, I said, the problem with that is this, is that the church is, a, is an unnatural thing as far as the world is concerned. Why? Because where else would Buell and I get together? You know, I mean, we kind of live in two different worlds. Sorry, Buell, I'm just picking on you. I just looked out there and saw you. I could say this about Dornell or anybody, you know, I mean, we, we did, you know, you see what I'm saying? And, and so, but now all of a sudden, Buell and I, we see each other all the time. But see, our connection, if, if we go back and we revert back to the world's way of thinking, that's not going to work, is it? That's what happens in a lot of churches, isn't it? Is we, we, we don't find our commonality based on these huge things. We revert back to... To quilting and OU and, and Harleys and Yaris's, all the guys that drive Yaris's, that's big. And then, then you find, you, you know what you find then? Hostility. Some of you don't know what a Yaris is. It's my little white golf ball, okay? So in church, we're thrust together with people of all sorts of incomes and professions and cultures and hobbies and likes and dislikes. And if we try to function, like the world, there's going to be a lot of hostility. But if we begin to function based on our union to Christ and the cross, our common father, our common citizenship, the fact that my sins are on the cross and your sins are on the cross. And you know what? When I sin against you, I hope you'll put that on the cross. And when you sin against me, I hope we put that. I'll, I'll try to put that on the cross. And all of a sudden we have this relationship that's based on the cross. You know what we call that at Lincoln? Thank you. That's what we call it at Lincoln. Okay. One more thing. I, I'm, I got three minutes here. Okay. Verse 20 and 21. Notice. Built. And I think John talked about this. So this is not going to be new. But I'm going to say it again because it's really important for where we're at as a church. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Notice the word built. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You know what cornerstone is, right? We saw one. Uh, my kids and I saw one. Uh, 
in Bricktown this week. There's an old building, and on the, on the on the corner of it, there's, there's this different colored stone. It has the the the, uh, the date of when the building was constructed. That's the cornerstone, right? Christ holds it all together. Okay. In whom, verse twenty one, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You know what that says? It says the church is a building. Did you hear that? The church is a building. John talked to you about this, didn't he? I think that's what, didn't he, he include that? It's not this building, though. It's not the one on 5th Street. It's, it's you. you. You, and notice, join together. You see that? Being, being, being joined together, that's verse 21, being joined together. How are we joined together? We're joined together through Christ in our relationships. We're joined together in the, in the Ed loves Jesus and I love Jesus. And, and, and Marilyn seeks the Lord and I seek the Lord. And Lloyd's trying to put to death his sin and I'm trying to put to death my sin. And, and we're worshiping the same king. And those are the things that join us together. Okay, now why is this so important for us right now at Lincoln Avenue? You know why? Because we're, we're trying to do something very different culturally. And that is we're trying to say, you know what? Instead of building the great big building, we're just going to buy this building over here and we're going to start another service. And what's going to be in us? There's going to be something in us that says we're not one church anymore. Okay, now we have to theologically think about that, don't we? Because is that true? It's not true, is it? It's not because, you know why? Because this is not the church. This is the church. And so if we're over there meeting and, and if we're together on Wednesday night and if we go to men's retreat together and build relationships and if we're, if we're in Sunday school together and if we're in, we're in faith riders together and if we're in Wednesday night Bible study and we're doing Falls Creek together and we're, we're, we're building relationships in women's ministry and Bible studies, that's the church. That's where the church is happening. Those are the connections, right? It's not being in the same building. It's, it's those connections. Now you say, well, pastor, but those guys are going to be over there and we're going to be over there. How are we supposed to build connections? Well, I agree with you that you may not be able to build connections with everybody over there. And over here. But you don't now. Do you? But we're still joined together in one common mission. Aren't we? Under Lincoln Avenue. And, and you know what? I still think it can happen. Because I know that Troy Pope almost always goes to the first service. And I know that David Biffle almost always goes to the second service. David, do you know Troy? Troy, do you know David? You guys ever encourage each other? How does that happen? How does that happen? You're not in the same service. That is impossible. You guys are lying. No, they're not. It ha- it's possible, isn't it? So I'm just, I'm just praying and betting that, you know what, is it going to be possible with this other campus? I think it is. You know what hit me the other day? This is off the track, but I was reading one of John Piper's sermons from in the 80s. And then they were starting a, a new thing because they ran out of space. It was a Saturday night service. And it was huge. And he, he talked about these same things. And I thought, Saturday night. And I got to thinking, you know what? Saturday night service is no different than buying another campus. You know, you say, well, it is different, Pastor, because you're all meeting in one campus. Yeah, but you're not all there at the same time. You're never going to see those people. It's a completely different service. But it's on Saturday night, but it's in the same building. But it's the same thing, isn't it? But they're still joined together in other ministries, other relationships. Other Get the point? We're the church. We're the building. Christ in relationships. We're the church. That's what it means. And did you know this? It would also be possible for us to change gears and someone to give us a million five right now, tonight. Leland, grab the offering plate. Somebody might have their checkbook out. And we'll build a great big thing over there. We'll do something else with that other building. 
go and buy it too, you know? We'll do something else with it. But it's possible for us to build a great big building over there and for us all to sit snuggled together in it every Sunday and not be the church. It'd be possible, wouldn't it? If we didn't build relationships and if we functioned on, on the world's level where I don't really have anything in common with you and, you know, you're rich and I'm poor and you like this and I like this and so I'm not going to, I'm not going to interact with you. Hey, we could sit right next to each other and we could not be the church. So let's be the church. Father, I thank you for giving us uh, just time to share with one another, give test- testimony. And I thank you for just the guys that encouraged me tonight, uh, saying what God did in their life. And, and I thank you, Father, for uh, the church. God, I love these people. God, I, I thank you for them. I thank you for how they ministered to me and to my family, been patient with us, encouraged us, prayed for us. Uh, Lord, what a blessing it is. I can't think of a greater gift, Lord, that you have, have given to us as believers than, than the Spirit of God working through the people of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.